Hello and welcome to The Hills. Preacher Rick here greeting all of you watching online, all of you in person at our three campuses in Tarrant County, uh, Keller, West Fort Worth, and North Richland Hills. Part of our vision of asking for nations and generations is to be a church of five campuses by the end of our vision. And so today I'm with our launch team in Dallas and we believe that campus will open later this year. So it's a thrill to be with them. I'm thrilled wherever you are joining us because I think you're going to be encouraged by the things we talk about today. I hope you have a wonderful Super Sunday. Now, I think I need to clear up something. A couple of months ago, I said the Dallas Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. And I got some pushback from people blaming me for jinxing the Dallas Cowboys. Well, in the first place, I think Jerry Jones might be a bigger problem than me. But in the second place, go back and listen to what I said. I did not say the Dallas Cowboys were going to the Super Bowl this year. In fact, I don't think they're going to go in my lifetime. But if Jesus delays his return for, say, 100 years or so, the Dallas Cowboys will be in the Super Bowl. So I stand beside, behind what I said. Now, if you are new to our church, I can sum up what we're about in two sentences. We exist to make and grow followers of Jesus. And we do this together by being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. So last week, we started a series that we're calling, It's Good to Hear Your Voice, because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have to learn to hear from God. And in that sermon, I mentioned that for over half my life, I did not expect to hear from God. I was taught that God spoke in the Bible and does not speak anymore. And so I relate especially to a story in the Bible I want to begin with. It's covered in the first several chapters of a book in the Old Testament called 1 Samuel. A woman named Hannah asked God to give her a son, and Samuel is born, and she dedicates Samuel to the Lord and takes him to the tabernacle to live always in the presence of the Lord. Now, the judge at that time was named Eli. He's an old man. He's laying down in one room, Samuel in another, and Samuel hears his name, Samuel. He gets up and goes to Eli's room and says, yes, you called me. Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. A second time, Samuel hears his name. He goes again to Eli, and Eli says, I did not call you. Go lie back down. And the author says at that moment, for Samuel did not know that it was the voice of the Lord. A third time he hears his name and he goes to see Eli. And Eli now recognizes what is happening. And he says, it is the Lord. And he sends him back to listen. Now, several observations from that story are worth noting. One is not expecting to hear from God doesn't keep God from speaking. Samuel wasn't expecting God to speak, but that didn't stop God. Second, it's possible to hear God's voice and not recognize it. In fact, I think that happens all the time. And finally, it's worth noting that when you don't know how to hear God, it's important to have someone mentor you who does recognize the voice of the Lord. I didn't have that early in my life. And for almost half my life, I tried to follow a God I did not expect to hear from in a personal way. 
Now know that I wholeheartedly believe that God spoke to the church through the scriptures. But I did not believe that God might speak to me outside of the pages of my Bible. Now, one good thing did come from that misperception. It developed in me a deep devotion to and affection for the Scriptures. It's a devotion and an affection I hold to this day, and I hope that comes through in all of my preaching. And everything I'm going to teach in this entire series is going to be grounded in what I believe I read in the pages of the Bible. But I was mistaken in my view that God was monolingual and only spoke to his people one way. I've since come to realize that God speaks many languages. And when I share with you today what some of those languages are, you might conclude that you have been hearing God more than you realized. But before I get to some of those other languages, I do want to talk about the primary way we hear God. I want you to be clear about this, that I believe the Bible is fully God's word, that the Bible is not man's word about God. It is God's word to man. The Bible is amazing, written over 1,500 years on three continents and three languages by over 40 authors, and its unity is so stunning, there is no way it could have been a simple creation of the human mind. Now, I know when God inspires that supernatural guidance still works through human personality. I'm not denying that, but I am saying that this Bible is God's word to us, not just Man's word about God. This is what the Bible claims for itself. Second Timothy 3 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That same verse in a different translation reads, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing people what is wrong in their lives, for correcting faults, and for teaching how to live right. So let me be very clear. The first and best way to improve your hearing is to be devoted to Scripture, to devour Scripture. And by the way, this is what the living Word did. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I don't worship the Bible. I worship Jesus. Well, of course we worship Jesus. I would ask, though, that you would have the same attitude about the Bible that Jesus had. Jesus didn't just fulfill Scripture. Jesus memorized scripture. He resisted temptation with scripture. He rebuked his critics with scripture. He defended his identity by scripture. He announced his death and resurrection from scripture. And he taught his disciples to do the same. Read the first sermons of the apostles in the book of Acts. And they are immersed in scripture because that's how their rabbi taught them to teach. And so let me be clear. Do not expect God to open his mouth if you keep his book shut. If your Bible is never open, neither are your ears. I have never met anyone with a high capacity for hearing God who read their Bible with low expectations. The Bible is fully God's word to us. But remember, God has a voice, not just a pen. 
So we could also say that the Bible is fully God's word, but not God's word in full. That God did not go mute when the New Testament was completed. We think sometimes a song, break thou the bread of life, dear Lord to me. And we add the phrase beyond the sacred page. I seek thee, Lord. We actually undermine the Bible's authority when we discredit God's ability to speak now the way he does in the pages of the Bible. Do you hear what I just said? That when we will not let God speak to us today the way he speaks to people in the Bible, we are undermining the authority of the Bible. Jesus didn't say his sheep read his words. He said his sheep hear his voice. They recognize that it is their shepherd and they follow him. In fact, Jesus acknowledged that you can know a lot about the Bible and not know the voice of God. He spoke to his critics in John 5. He says, you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Jesus said it's possible to be an expert in knowledge about the Bible and be a dunce in hearing the voice of the Lord. These scriptures point to Jesus. God has given us his written word to lead us to his living word. And by the way, that's why it's very important to affirm that God's voice will never contradict what he has revealed in his scriptures. Because his scriptures are perfectly designed to do what they're intended to do. And that is to lead us to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God is never going to say something that contradicts the primary instrument he gave us to lead us to Jesus. But it's also important to affirm that God's voice is not limited to his scriptures. God is big enough to speak in a language that everyone can hear, even those who do not own or cannot read a Bible. And maybe you've heard some of those languages without realizing that it was God talking. So what are some of the other ways that God speaks to us that we can see right from the pages of our Bible? Well, one is creation. God speaks through creation. Jesus often pointed to creation's ability to tell us something that God wanted us to know. In fact, some of the loudest words of his mouth are the works of his hands. Listen to the psalmist. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Every lily, every sparrow, every rainbow is a message from God. In fact, creation speaks so loudly That scripture says God will hold men accountable for their deafness. In Romans 1, Paul writes, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, 
They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Let me just add, science is not an enemy of faith. That's why millions of scientists are theists. They see the order, they see the design of creation, and they know it had to have a mastermind behind it. In fact, Paul is saying, you have to have an agenda to study creation and not believe that there is a creator. And by the way, side note, this is one reason why Christians should be champions of care for our planet. That we should care about taking care of the earth. Why? Because creation is one way that God speaks to a deaf world. God speaks through creation. And every day with our eyes open and our ears attuned, we can hear him. God speaks also through gifted teachers. God has one voice, but many mouthpieces. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, let's acknowledge that not everyone that claims to speak for God is actually an instrument of God. Let's also acknowledge that everyone who does speak for God does so imperfectly. What other choice does God have but to use flawed vessels like me to speak to his church? But he chooses to use such vessels. And few things bring me more joy than to have someone after one of my teachings say, God got a hold of me today. God spoke to me today. I know in that moment, I'm just the vessel for the voice of the Lord to speak to one of his children. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. So let me encourage you to be grateful for gifted teachers in your life. Lift them up in prayer and take full advantage of your ability to freely and frequently receive their ministry. There are so many ways today in the age in which we live to be exposed to good Bible teaching. And do you understand that it's such a gift because there are millions and millions of Christians in the world who live in places where the governments restrict such access, where they don't have the ability you have to listen to so many gifted teachers. Be grateful for that gift and take advantage of it because God speaks through creation. God speaks through gifted teachers. God speaks through the family of faith. I believe hearing God is a team sport. And the Holy Spirit is continually bringing unity to the community so that together we can hear the voice of the Lord. You see that happening in Acts chapter 15. A great question is facing the church. 
Does a Gentile have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian? And so they hold a summit. And you see the community coming together to listen to the experiences of Peter and and Paul and to go to the words of Scripture through a teacher like James. And after they had discerned together through prayer and study, they write to the Gentiles, and notice how they put it, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And it was through the family of faith that God was guiding and leading his church to truth. My youngest son, Matthew, is a very devoted follower of Jesus and very active in his church in Dallas. Last fall, he had the opportunity to take a new job. And when he told me about it, it seemed like a no-brainer. Like, yes, take this job. Why would you not? But Matthew said, well, First, I want to go to my small group at church and tell them about it and pray with them and see what they say. And I thought, what a brilliant thing to do. Before you ever make a major life decision, why wouldn't you want to talk to other followers of Jesus and pray about it and see together if you can discern the will of the Lord? That one good way to hear from the Father is to spend time listening to his children because God speaks through the family of faith. Another way God speaks is through circumstances and signs. We see this all through the Bible. God communicating through different events in our lives. He gives guidance by opening some doors and by closing other doors. Doors. I'll give you a personal illustration. I received a call from God to be a preacher when I was about seven years old. I knew it was from God. I knew it was his direction. And I fought that call for years out of fear. When I graduated college, instead of trying to be a preacher, I tried to get a job as a youth minister. Now, it's a great career. I had spent three summers interning as a youth minister. I had good grades, good references. I thought it won't be hard to get a job. I couldn't find a job. Every interview I went to seemed to go well, and then they would not hire me. And I kept hearing this, because you are single. So a church in Abilene asked me to come and interview for the youth minister job. In those days, you put on a three-piece suit, and you preached a sermon to try out for any job. I did that. I went to speak to the elders, and immediately they began talking to me about taking the preaching position. I said, no. I'm here to apply for the youth ministry position. They said, oh, you can't have that. You're single. Now, think about this logic. They did not want to hire me as a youth minister and let me hang out with their daughters, but I could be the preacher and hang out with their wives. At any rate, the point is that God was closing doors to lead me, direct me into obedience to the calling he had spoken to me. And that's how my preaching career began. God speaks through circumstances and signs. And let me, while we're on that topic, bring up something that's a little difficult to admit. But one of the chief ways that God uses circumstances to speak to us is through trials and sufferings. God uses pain in our lives to get our attention. The assumption that every negative circumstance is from Satan can keep us from hearing God. C.S. Lewis said, pain is God's 
megaphone. And I know I'm talking to people now online and at every campus. And you can look back on some time of your life that was hard and painful. It could have been a family crisis, a health crisis, a financial crisis. And it was tough to go through, but you have to admit, God got your attention in the pain and communicated to you in a way that you had not been hearing before it. Listen again to the psalmist. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. David said, it was suffering that opened me up to better hearing the truth of your word. And many of us know that's one way God speaks. That the goal is not to have a pain-free life. The goal is to live a life in intimacy with God, hearing his voice even in the pain. I'm not saying you should seek pain. I'm saying if you're in a hard season and you can't get out of it, determine that you're going to get something out of it. And so you pray, God, what are you wanting to say to me now? Because God speaks to our circumstances and signs. God speaks in many ways. You can find in the Bible, he spoke through a burning bush. He spoke through a talking donkey. But I want to close by one language I think every Christian must become fluent in. Because it's one of the primary ways God speaks. I'm talking, of course, about the indwelling spirit. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit that was given to us when we surrendered our lives to Christ. If you are a Christian, God has spoken to you through impressions of the Spirit. But like Samuel, you might not have recognized that it was the voice of God. And maybe it's because the voice came from within you. But see, God has done this all throughout the Bible. A man named Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem burdened by the walls being down. He says in chapter 2, I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Nehemiah did not hear God from an outside voice. He heard it from an inner voice. God's spirit guiding him. You know, right now, no matter what room you're in, that room is filled with sound. It's just that you don't have the instrument with you to tune into that sound. Well, God has given every Christ follower the capacity to tune in to him. When you surrendered to Christ, you received a supernatural hearing aid, the Holy Spirit. And you can expect the same spirit that guided the transmission of God's truth on a page to guide you into all truth. This was the promise of Jesus, John 14. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in 
you. In the same chapter, Jesus adds, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. And later, Jesus says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Listen, church. Do you really think all those times when the words of God, the verses of Scripture, the example and stories of Jesus suddenly came to your remembrance that that was just a coincidence? You see, we operate on a wisdom that a secular world cannot hear. And we must not allow the rationalism of that secular world to quench his voice. And we must not allow our lack of experience of recognizing his voice to keep us from getting better at listening. Because how can we truly ever know God apart from the ministry of his spirit? Paul says, 1 Corinthians 2, the spirit searches out all things, even the deep secrets of God. Who knows the thoughts that another person has? Only a person's spirit that lives within him knows his thoughts. It's the same with God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we did not receive the spirit of the world, but we received the spirit that is from God so that we can know all God has given us. See, communication is simply the process of guiding someone's thoughts. It's what I'm trying to do right now. Every time I preach, I'm trying to guide your thoughts. But I'm a finite creature, and you are a finite uh, people, and so we must use finite means to connect. I must use voice and inflection and facial expression and body language to try to guide your thoughts. But God is an infinite being. He can guide someone's thoughts directly. God does not have to go through the ears. God can speak directly to our minds and our hearts. And he does this for all Christians because all Christians have been anointed with the Holy Spirit. I look back now and I realize for years God was speaking to me through the Holy Spirit. But like Samuel, I did not know that it was God who was talking. And so God gave me a profound life changing moment. I think I've only told the story one time to this church. Uh, when I preached for all those years in Abilene, uh, I grew up in Churches of Christ. That was my tribe. I went to a school affiliated with Churches of Christ. And, and in those early years, I received a lot of affection from my tribe. A lot of kind words, a lot of job possibilities. And I didn't realize how much I was enjoying it. I came to this church and my first year here was hard and I began to be attacked by a lot of people in my tribe. Unkind things, untrue things and I didn't understand. And I remember, I can tell you where I was in this building on my knees. I, I thought I was praying to God. I was really having a pity party complaining to God that people weren't being nice to me. I wasn't expecting anything. And I heard a voice. And that voice said, where in my word did I ever say, go into all the world and save the church of Christ? It sounded audible. If you had been in that room, would you have heard it? I do not know. 
But I knew in a moment it was God, and I knew in a moment he was calling me to repent. He wasn't condemning me, but God was challenging me because I had made affection for a tribe, an idol. I repented. I told God I would not do that ever again. I would not ever again care what anyone anywhere said about me. I would just try to be a faithful, loyal preacher to the church he gave me. I've tried to keep that promise now for over 30 years. But I think God had to do something very dramatic to get my attention because I did not know how to hear and recognize the voice of the Lord. Since then, I've been learning. Since then, I have become aware of all the ways that God speaks to me regularly through his spirit. I've learned to recognize his voice. We'll talk more about that next time because I know somebody right now is feeling a little bit concerned. And I acknowledge right now there has been a lot of damage done by people claiming to have heard God. That should not surprise us because Satan always wants to counterfeit anything that is real in order to deceive. But listen to me, church. Choosing deafness is the wrong way to respond to deception. I'll put it like this. I am not going to let a nut keep me from the fruit. What about you? Are you paying attention to all the languages God is trying to use to get your attention? Be open to the different ways God wants to speak to you. I got a delightful email several years ago from Michelle Box, one of our members. She grew up in Weatherford. And when she was in college, she had a chance to take a course with Jim Wright. Some of you uh, old-timers recognize that name. For over 30 years, a member of Congress, one of the most powerful Texas politicians of all time, even Speaker of the House for a while. He was teaching at TCU. She took a course with him. They had to reschedule the final because of weather. So she had the date for her final, and she asked the assistant, could Professor Wright sign one of his books that I would like to give to my dad? Well, to her great surprise, when she came to take the final, the assistant said, go to his office. He'd like to sign your book in person. So she went and met Jim Wright, who also grew up in Weatherford and knew the church that Michelle had grown up in. And he told her an amazing story. He said, when I was a boy, a friend and I visited that church, and we came back laughing at the people. When my father asked why, I said, Dad, those people are crazy. They think they hear God. Well, the first thing his father did was spank Jim for being disrespectful. But then he took Jim into the house and did something brilliant. He turned on the radio. He said, Jim, what do you hear? He said, I hear a man talking. And then the father turned off the radio. And he said, Jim, did the man stop talking or did you just turn him off? Has God stopped speaking? Or have we just found ways to tune him out? So here's the question I want to leave you this week. What must I turn down so that I can tune in? What noise must I silence so I can better hear my God speaking to me? 
when my son Matthew was in college, he was home, about to leave one evening to go on a trip with some friends. I was watching a ball game on TV. Goodbye, Dad, I love you. I just kept focused on the game. Goodbye, Dad, I love you. I just kept watching the game. Goodbye, Dad, I love you. <laughs> my wife, in her gentle, sweet way, came into the room. Rick, your son is trying to tell you he loves you. <laughs> what? I was so distracted by trivial noise and the game I can't even remember that I was missing a much more important message. I want you to learn to hear God. You will be amazed at how often he just wants to tell you that he loves you. And so here's my advice for you. It's the same advice that Eli gave young Samuel. Go, lay down, be quiet and still. And when God speaks, say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Why don't we do that right now? Everybody where you are, let's just bow our heads. And let's take a moment and be quiet. And I want you to start your prayer this way. Just say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Maybe right now God is saying something to you. Maybe you're not hearing anything. It's okay. It's good just to be with God. But God wants you to learn to live in a posture of expecting him to speak. And he knows when we're listening. So let's keep praying. Father, we do want to hear from you. It is good to hear your voice. And we need to hear it, God. Because we do feel tired. We feel frazzled. We hurt. And we feel often like no one cares. We desperately need to hear you say, I love you, my child. Don't ever forget how much I love you. So God, please improve our hearing. Because we know that is the way that we can follow Jesus better. We pray in his name. Amen.